Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. We'll be there in just a moment. As you're turning there, I wanted to um, say something here from 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, What is the outcome then? I shall pray with the Spirit, and I shall pray with the mind also. I shall sing with the Spirit, and I shall sing with the mind also. Otherwise... If you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you're saying? There's a little voice in here that I hear an amen from every now and then. I think I know who I'm talking about. And it's a blessing to hear that little voice. And so I just wanted to thank that little voice for saying the amen. Um, it is a joy to have young ones in the congregation and know that, that they are being raised up in the church, being raised up in the love and admission of the Lord. Amen. It's good to hear that. Thank you, brother. Good to hear that. We have just concluded a series of lessons on Sunday night on our Lord's parables. We looked at several of them and considered the simple and powerful message that each one of them have. And we considered how they tell us about the king, that is, our God, how they tell us about the kingdom, and that is, the kingdom in which we live, the kingdom that we are in now, thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they tell us about that citizenship in the kingdom, how we relate to each other, and how we relate to our king. This morning, I'd like for us to consider a couple more parables that we didn't look at uh, during our study on Sunday night. And these parables are found in Matthew chapter 25, and they're the parables of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. Now, these two uh, parables have somewhat of a unique placement, if you would, in our Lord's ministry. They come after he speaks in chapter 24 about the destruction, the, the coming destruction of Jerusalem. He speaks about in chapter 24. And they come right before he talks about the judgment that's going to take place at the end of time, at the end of chapter 25. So these two parables come right in the middle of that. And what they're going to deal with in a couple of different aspects of this, but what they're basically going to deal with is being ready. Being ready, making sure that we are indeed ready when the Lord comes back. So let's consider, uh, let's start by considering the first parable that we read here in chapter 25, and that's the parable of the ten virgins. This is one that's probably familiar to us. We remember the story here about the ten virgins and how they um, took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them took their lamps only, five of them, the other five took their lamps, but they also took some oil with them as well, some fuel oil to go along with the lamps. And the groom was delayed. He was late in coming. And so the ones who are without the extra oil ask if they could have some of the oil from the five that did bring some extra oil because their lamps were burning out. And those five said no. He said, they said, if uh, we give you some of our oil, there's not going to be enough to go around. Instead, you go and buy some oil for yourselves. So they did, and, and the groom comes along while they're gone. 
and the five prudent virgins, as, as it were, went into the wedding feast with the groom and shut the doors behind them. And when the other five came to ask to come in, the master of the house says, I, I don't know you. And he wouldn't let them in. Simple story, powerful lesson, as we see from the parables. One thing we can notice in this is all ten of these young ladies had the same goal. They wanted to meet the bridegroom and go into the wedding feast. But only five had made all the necessary preparations. They all had their lamps, but only half of them had enough oil to last through the night, to keep their lamps burning. They all had the same goal, but they weren't all prepared in the same way. I would venture a guess that all of us sitting here this morning have the same goal. And that's the goal of going to heaven. Don't we? We all have that same goal. But the question then comes, and it comes right out of this parable is, have we made all the necessary preparations? Are we indeed ready when the bridegroom comes? Readiness. Titus 3 and verse 1 says to be ready for every good deed. Readiness is all throughout Scripture. Telling us to be ready when the Lord comes. Look over in Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12. Here's our Lord speaking about readiness. It says, beginning of verse 35, Be dressed in readiness, and keep your lamps, lamps alight. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may, be, uh, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, that he who girds himself to serve, and have them recline at the table, and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third watch and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, if the head of the house had known of what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Readiness. Our Lord's coming. Just as surely as he died and was resurrected, he's coming back. We know that. We know that as part of our faith. Another thing we can look at in this parable here with these ten virgins is that of missed opportunity. Five of them waited until it was too late to have the oil for their lamps. The bridegroom was coming. So they missed the opportunity to attend the wedding feast. They were gone off buying oil for their lamps while the other five went into the wedding feast. We need to make sure that we don't miss any of those kind of opportunities. The kind of opportunities where we can demonstrate our faith. Not just getting into heaven. We know that's our, our, our goal when this life is over. It should be at the forefront of our minds. But there's other opportunities along the way. We have other parables like the Good Samaritan that teach us about helping our neighbors. There's duties for us while we're still on this earth. 
We're not just biding our time and hoping that we'll get in heaven, get into heaven, hoping that we'll time it just right and have our lamps burning when the bridegroom comes by. We need to make sure we have those preparations already made. So let's make sure that we recognize and act on the opportunities that we have when they're presented to us, when they come our way. And being ready for those opportunities means utilizing our abilities, which leads us into the next parable that's here in Matthew chapter 25, and that's the parable of the talents. Ability. This parable tells us of a man who's a, about to go on a trip. So he calls three of his slaves in, and he gives them a certain amount of talents based on their abilities. Now, a talent is an amount of silver. It has monetary value. It has very much more buying power, as it says in the notes in my Bible here. Talent. It's an amount of money. It's an amount of wealth. So he gives five talents to one of his servants, to one of his slaves. He gives two talents to another, and to the last one, he gives one talent. And the two of them, the one who got the five talents and the two talents, they go out and they double their money to ten and four. But the one who received just the one talent, remember what he did with it? Went out and dug a hole in the ground and put it in there. Just dug a hole in the ground and put it there. And so when the man comes back from his trip, he goes to see what the servants have done with the money that's been entrusted to him. And to the ones who doubled the money, he tells them, well done. Well done. He says, you've been in charge of a few things, now you're going to be put in charge in to many things. And he is happy with them. He says, enter into my joy. But the one who put it in the ground, he tells him, you know, at least you could have put it in the bank. So when I came back, it, uh, I could have at least got the, that back plus interest. Instead, no, you just wasted it. You just went and dug a hole and put it in the ground. So what does he do? He takes away the one talent that he has, and he gives it to the one that already has ten. And he says, he makes a statement there that, that those who have will have an abundance. And those who have little, even what they do have, be taken away from them. Pointing to the fact of squandering the talents that had been given him. Ability. Utilizing our abilities. To the ones who had two and five talents, they doubled what they had been given. Doubled it. God has blessed each one of us with certain talents. Not necessarily uh, amounts of wealth, but abilities. He's blessed us with these things. So what are we doing with them? What are we doing with what God has blessed us with? Are we utilizing it? Are we doubling it? Or are we just digging a hole and sticking it in the ground? Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. How richly have we been blessed in Christ? Can't even really measure it, can we? 
We've been so blessed in Christ. All of our spiritual blessings come through the man, Jesus Christ. And we have been blessed so richly. What are we doing with those blessings? There's danger in hoarding those talents. There's danger in digging that hole and burying it in the ground. The man given only one talent simply just did that. We have to be careful that we're not doing the same thing. We have lots of blessings that come through our Lord to us. What are we doing with them? What are we doing with the gospel? That's one thing that we've been blessed with. The inspired word of God. Look over in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. What are we doing with the light that has come into the world? The gospel message. Matthew 5, beginning verse 13, says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under, the, under a peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Is that what we're doing with the talents that we've been blessed with? The light that has been given to us? Are we putting it under a bushel basket? Or are we setting it up somewhere where, where everybody can see it? Like a lighthouse would be around here. You know, lighthouses are put up high for a reason. So that people afar off can see them. What are we doing with what's been entrusted to us? Are we hoarding it? Or are we putting it up on, on a pedestal? There's danger in losing what little we have. The message there to the one who had just one talent, and he just dug a hole and just squandered any opportunity that that talent might bring, is that with what little we have, that might be taken away from us too. There's serious consequences for not using our talents, not utilizing them. Hebrews 3 and verse 13 says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Are we taking advantages of what's in this day? It's going to be a day here for a little more than 12 hours. What are we doing in this day? Are we taking advantage of it? Or is that little talent that we have being hardened over by sin? scary to think of it in that way, isn't it? Lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Lest what little you have is taken away from you for lack of use. These two parables about readiness and about ability lead into what Jesus is going to say next. And he's going to talk about taking action. The teaching starting in verse 31, Jesus starts talking about the judgment that is to come. He speaks about all the nations being gathered before him. And he's separating the sheep from the goats. The sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And he tells the sheep on his right hand to come 
and inherit the kingdom which had been prepared since the creation of the world. He tells them how they, they fed and watered him, how they housed and clothed him, how they visited him when he was sick or in prison. And the righteous there asked, they say, Lord, when did we do this? And he tells them, you did this to the brothers of mine, even to the least of them. When you did that to the brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. But what does he tell the goats on his left hand? He tells them they didn't do any of these things. When he was thirsty and hungry, when he needed a roof on his head and clothes on his back, when he was sick and in prison, didn't come to see him, he didn't do any of those things. Not a, not a single one. And because they didn't, what's their pronouncement that comes to them? Eternal punishment. They had opportunity. And they didn't act on it. And the lesson that comes out of that is that they're going to be punished for it. God recognizes our actions. And Luke 12 and verse 2 says, But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Hebrews 4 and verse 13, And there is no cr uh, creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes, to him with, with whom we have to do. Think we can hide from God? Think Jonah was very successful in hiding from God? All things are laid bare. And he recognizes what we're doing. And there's a separation that's coming. The sheep and the goats. Those who have done righteously. Those who haven't done anything. Done evil. God rewards action. He punishes inaction. The sheep will inherit the kingdom. The goats will inherit eternal punishment. Why? Because the sheep took action. Because the sheep had the opportunity, had the ability, and they utilized it. And they took action when there was a need. The goats, they had the opportunity. They took no action. The Lord says, in, in, when, when he's asked, by these, when did we do this for you, Lord? He said, these brothers of mine, when you've done that to these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you've done it to me. In Romans 8 and verse 17, Paul refers to Christians, those who have put on Christ. He refers to them as fellow heirs with Christ. Fellow heirs to God the Father. What does that make us? Makes us brothers with Christ. Makes us fellow heirs to the kingdom that has been promised to us. So when we feed and water our brothers, when we put a roof over their head, clothes on their back, when they're sick and we go see them, or if they're in prison and we go see them, that's how we show righteousness. That's how we show God that we love him, by loving each other. 
Jesus said it. You do this to each other, this is how you demonstrate that you love me. We have the, the Good Samaritan there in Luke chapter 10. We did look at that parable. We talked about who was a neighbor to that one that was beaten and left beside the road. And it was the Samaritan who showed him mercy. Galatians 6 and verse 10. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. We have opportunities right in front of us all the time. What are we doing with those opportunities? When we see those in need, it's our responsibility to help them. Put clothes on their back, food in their mouth. In verse 13, here in Matthew 25, it says, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. There are things in the scripture that are sobering. You've heard me use that word before. Verse 13 is sobering to me. Be on the alert. You don't know, you do not know the day nor the hour. We don't know when our Lord is coming back. But we can be rest assured that he is coming back. These two t parables speak to that. They speak about the returning of someone, the bridegroom, or the Lord of the house. They tell us that we need to make sure that we have the necessary preparations. That we have our lamps and the oil for our lamps. We, they, they tell us that we need to make sure that we're doing the very best with the talents that we have. What God has entrusted us with, be they five talents or two talents or one talent. Even that one talent, do with it what you can, the best of your ability. Don't hide it in the ground. And why? Because there are things that need to be done while we're here on earth. There are people that need to be fed clothed and helped amongst our brethren and amongst all men. And we have the responsibilities first to our brethren and then to those who are in need. There are people that we need to help. So from Matthew 25, we, need, we see that we need to make the necessary preparations. We need to act and utilize our abilities to the best that we can. And take the appropriate action. Make sure that we are ready when the bridegroom comes. Make sure we are ready when the Lord of the house comes back. So then the question comes down to, are you ready right now? If the world were to end this very hour, are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready to meet the Lord? If not, I implore you that you need to be. We don't know the day or the hour. But we know for sure that he is coming back. If you're not a child of God, you need to think seriously about becoming a child of God. And that means being baptized. Through the waters of baptism, we come up that new creature. That's how we come in contact with the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how we come in contact with his death. We come up, raise out of the waters of baptism a new creature. Walk in newness of life. And then Revelation 2 and verse 10 tells us we need to be faithful until death. 
Being a child of God means being faithful to him. Doing the things that we need to be doing. Utilizing our talents to the best of our abilities. And being ready when the bridegroom comes. If you're a child of God and you've fallen, you're not ready. And you need the prayers of this congregation. You can let that be known as well. Let your request be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.